Welcome to the Modern Law Library. I'm your host, Lee Rawls, and today I'm joined by Jeremy Richter, the author of the book, Building a Better Law Practice, Become a Better Lawyer in Five Minutes a Day. Jeremy, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Now, Jeremy, can you introduce yourself to my listeners? What do you do in your day job, and how did you come to write this book? Sure. So I am an insurance defense lawyer in Birmingham, Alabama. I practice a lot of personal auto wrecks, trucking wrecks, slip and falls, general liability, just basically anything that uh, an insurance company might write insurance for, we will represent them or their insureds if a, a lawsuit is filed. And so that's what I've been doing since 2012. I've been at the same firm for my entire practice so far, which I think puts me in a pretty small minority of people. And then as far as writing the book, in 2016, I was in year four of my practice and the insurance defense area, like so many areas of law, is a really competitive business. And it's really difficult for younger lawyers to break in and start developing their own clients. But that's also the way forward and to advance within your firm is to do that. So I decided that I needed something to distinguish myself from my peers. So in June of 2016, I started a law blog. At first, I was writing mostly appellate briefs and 11th Circuit decisions and just writing about the cases that were coming down, particularly the ones that affected my areas of practice. Then six months in or so, I wrote a blog article about three things that you can do to become a better associate. And that was one of my first deviations from what I had started out writing to where eventually that became my voice. And writing about practice management and client management and case management, those are the things that really interested me and that I really began to write about pretty frequently. And so over the course of the next year and a half, I accumulated a lot of content. So I had an idea that a lot of lawyers don't have time to sit down and read whole books at once. But if there were a book where they could take five or 10 minutes out of their day and pick up some practical advice that can help them in their practice, that might be something that was really useful. Yes, I'd love to talk about the structure of this book. So building a better law practice, when I started looking at it and looking through it and reading it, it honestly seemed very similar to me to a devotional in that it is a short reading. You open usually with um, an anecdote or sort of a life experience, life lesson, and then you talk about the meaning for that in your law practice and the lessons that you can draw for that. And if you read one of these per day, I believe you say this takes seven weeks. So you could spend seven weeks reading one a day or reading one every every few days. So that I, I thought was an interesting approach. Is that how you envisioned it to begin with? That is exactly how I described it. So like my elevator pitch, I would tell people like, this is a lawyer's devotional. And so, yeah, <laughs> that makes me like really glad that you picked it up. And that's how you described it, because that's what that was my vision for it. Uh, and that's the context I wanted to write it in. And so when I had the idea for it, you know, I kind of looked around the marketplace and saw that 
this doesn't exist. And maybe maybe there's a need for it and it could be really utilitarian. And so I proposed it to the ABA. And when I proposed it to them, they said, well, we're not interested in it at this length that you suggested, but if you can provide more length, then we would be excited. And so I was like, yeah, of course I'm going to write 15,000 more words. And so I did. And that's how we, yeah, we got to where we are. Now, the life of an associate doing the kind of work you do, that's already quite a bit of work, deciding to devote more time to these outside projects and and writing, as well as you're the father of two children. How do you attempt to do work-life balance with that? The answer is I get up really early, (laughs) which I don't mind. I'm a morning person. And so the way that I have been able to work on the book and the blog before that and concurrently still with it is... I get up at five every morning and some mornings I'm working on billable stuff for work and other mornings I'm working on the blog and writing new content or like the other day I was driving home from a deposition that was a couple hours away and I had this new idea. So I just pulled off the highway and wrote it down in my notebook that I carry everywhere and went on my way so that I wouldn't forget all that. So it's something that, you know, throughout the course of my day with the things that I'm writing about, they're the things that I'm experiencing and that are affecting my practice. And so I never know when something is just going to strike me. So I try to always be prepared to write something down. But early in the mornings on weekdays and weekends is when I am able to devote time to it. Another thing about your background that I think is interesting in the context of building a better law practice is that you are a former high school teacher. How much did your experience doing, you know, lesson plans and and your desire to engage in pedagogy and teaching, how much of that do you think fueled your desire to write this book? I think that that had a significant effect on my, the way that I write and I guess the voice that I use um, because I don't want to come across as like I'm preaching to anybody and these are things that you all need to know and that I have mastered because that's not the case at all. Like all this stuff is like I'm in year six of my practice. I'm learning new stuff all the time and I want to share with other lawyers who are similarly situated and dealing with the same things I am of like, hey, this is going on and I think this can be helpful to you because it was helpful to me. And so I think that background and just that sharing teaching mindset has been really instrumental in the blog and in the book about how I approach the information and process it and try to share it with others in a way that is practical and in a way that is easily implementable. Just for my listeners' benefit, I'm going to tell them the parts to this book. Now, each Under each part is additional chapters going through different elements of this. But part one, you talk about managing clients and creating collaborative relationships. Part two, practical considerations for your practice. Part three, improving your skills and managing your caseload. And part four, developing yourself and your practice. As you said, you know, you've been in your practice for six years. Which of those elements do you think has been the hardest struggle for you? I think that answer probably varies in stages. And I would say at first with part two, well, probably part three, with improving your skills and managing your caseload, law school doesn't really teach you how to be a lawyer. Like 
and how to practice law. They teach you a lot of the analytical thinking skills that you need. But like I didn't come out of law school knowing how to practice law. And I certainly didn't come out knowing anything about the insurance industry and the trucking industry and all of these things that I was going to be interacting with. So there's such a steep learning curve at the beginning, and it requires so much additional effort, even beyond what you can build, just to establish the knowledge base necessary to be competent. So the mine is a litigation-heavy practice. So in addition to all that, you're learning how to take depositions and defend depositions and meet with experts and then try cases. And sometimes that's in front of a judge and sometimes that's with a jury. And there's just all of these things that you need to know that you don't step out of law school knowing. So at the beginning, it was probably that. And then as I got into things and I'm dealing with clients. And so for us, we have two clients on every case. You have the insurance company that's assigned you the case, but you also have your the insured who is your actual client. And so interacting with them, finding out what they need, as far as the insurance company goes, complying with all their guidelines and providing useful information to them so that they can handle things on their end and evaluate cases and set reserves and all that sort of thing. That's just a whole nother area of this type of practice that most people, before you start into it, you haven't had any experience doing that sort of thing. So it just requires a lot of time and intentional effort to get good at it. So just to change directions a little bit, we here at the ABA Journal, we read a lot of lawyers' blogs. We hear from a lot of lawyers. A lot of young lawyers are told, oh, start a blog, and that'll be a way to communicate to people and establish yourself in an industry. And it seems to me from from what you wrote in this book that that was a little bit how you started out and you had to refine the way you approached it. So what kind of advice would you have for other attorneys who want to communicate their ideas to the you know blogosphere or or the legal marketplace what advice would you have for them be ready for the time commitment that it's going to take there are a lot of people who start blogs or start podcasts or even youtube channels that don't stick with it because it's a huge time commitment it takes months to build an audience I mean, sometimes it takes years to build an audience because it's such a niche marketplace of, of who wants to listen or read or watch what you're saying that it's really difficult to stick with it. Keith Lee, who's become a friend of mine, he writes for, or I guess he is, Associates Mind. You know, he describes it to me as you're going to spend six months just wandering in the desert before you find your voice and people find you and start reading what you have to say. And that was true for me. So it's something that if you're going to do, you really need to want to do it and not just be doing it out of some obligatory sense of I need to be doing something. So I might as well try my hand at this because you're going to need some passion behind it to stick with it. Because even when it becomes successful, when you you know have busy weeks where you're working 50 hours a week and you've got a lot going on, you've still got to find time to create this content because you know, you need to post something. But I would encourage people to be creative. I did a blog because I like writing. Other people may be more comfortable behind a microphone or in front of a camera. And there are a lot of opportunities as technology and social media evolve to put yourself in front of people that are interested in hearing what you have to say. And so I wouldn't limit myself to 
traditional things, then I would just be open to, you know, trying out new things. Now, another reason that I'm familiar with your work is that you actually have written several Your Voice columns for us. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between the styles of writing for a blog, the styles of writing for a publication in a different setting like the ABA Journal's Your Voice column, and then for writing for the book? Have they been demonstrably different, or do you think that writing is writing? Oh, I think there you definitely need to use different voices for different medium. When I started writing as a lawyer. I wrote for the Alabama Defense Lawyers Association as a journal. I'm a part of some industry organizations like CLM. And so I would write articles for them that were more formal, certainly, than what is in my blog, because I write pretty informally on the blog, because it's just, it's me. And this is what I have to say. And so when I'm writing for your voice, it's very similar content as what's on the blog, but I try to make it a little more formal. It's still pretty informal, I think, but i just mindful of, of where it's going to be. But I don't think the quality changes. It's, a, it's important for me for the quality to be consistent throughout. But as far as the voice or how I'm coming across, I think I can adapt to that and not feel like I'm not being true to myself. It's just you got to write what's appropriate for the particular medium that you're using. So, Jeremy, we've been talking about the book, but I'd love for people to have an opportunity to actually hear some of it. I thought that one good example would be it's on page 72 for anyone who already has a copy. And the title is Play to Your Strengths, Improve Your Weaknesses. Could you please read the intro for us? Yeah, I'd be glad to. You can break litigation practice down into two components, written and oral. In my experience, most lawyers are good at one or the other. Those who excel at both writing and speaking are as rare as unicorns. I can count the lawyers I know who are good speakers and writers on one hand, and I secretly hate them. The rest of us have to put our strengths to work for us. I'm not encouraging you to sit back on your laurels for those things you consider strengths. To the contrary, you need to continue to hone those skills to best employ them to your client's advantage. But you cannot just resign yourself to being bad at some aspects of practicing and write them off as losses. By this point in the book, I hope you'll assume that I am a more compelling writer than speaker. Every time I put something in writing to the court, I want it to be completely dialed in because whatever I am submitting is going to be more effectively communicated on paper than in oral arguments. So as I get into that particular topic... You can see playing to my strengths for me is my writing, and I feel like I am better at writing than presenting. So to improve my oral speaking skills to an audience, I've gone out of my way to schedule speaking events for myself, whether it's speaking to other lawyers at live CLEs or webinars, things like that. I've gone out of my way to make myself uncomfortable and do the things that I don't feel like I'm as good at naturally so that I can improve them and more effectively represent my clients by improving those skills. Well, Jeremy, thanks for letting our listeners hear a little bit of a sample of the book. Yeah, of course. All right. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Modern Law Library to discuss building a better law practice, become a better lawyer in five minutes a day. If our listeners are interested in either picking up the book or reading more of what you have to write on your blog or contacting you to have discussions on these topics or others, how could they do so? 
They can find the book at the ABA bookstore, which I think is shopaba.org. And if they subscribe to my blog, they can get a 20% discount. And if they're an ABA member, then they will have their additional membership discount. So they can get a pretty significant discount on the book. If they want to find my blog, they can find it at www.jeremywrichter.com. All right. Well, thank you, Jeremy, for joining us. And thank you to my listeners for joining us for this episode of the Modern Law Library. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast listening service.